Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. This week on the show, we have Dylan Vazari, the high-performance manager of the Box Hill Hawks and one of our strength and conditioning coaches at Prepare Like a Pro. Dylan is currently completing his Masters of Teaching and before strength and conditioning, Dylan was a personal trainer and played football for the Oakley Chargers in the TAC Cup and Box Hill Hawks in the VFL. Before we start episode 45, the Prepare Like a Pro podcast mission is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please show your support by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribing to the podcast or on iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify. Bear with me, guys. If you've got a question for Dylan, hit the question button at the bottom. Awesome, mate. Thank hey, Jack. Okay, start again. Okay, let's go round two. So take us back to the, the beginning, mate. When did you discover you had a, a passion for strength and conditioning? Really keen footballer growing up, played the under nines all the way through to still currently playing today. And yeah, I wasn't really, didn't really know that strength and conditioning was a profession probably up until 2015, 2016. Um, but yeah, I was always a very keen trainer and quite an obsessive trainer as a youngster and just loved the, loved training and the, and the preparation side of things um, that came with it. And then did a cert four in 2014 in fitness and started personal training for a few years there. And yep. then, yeah, went to uni 2016 and that's where I started to understand the profession a little bit more and, yeah, the strength and conditioning space as well. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned personal training. Where did you start your personal training and, and how has that helped you shape as a strength and conditioning coach? started, yeah, in 2014 and I was lucky enough to, to get a really good job straight away there at a studio in Mitcham and that's probably where I've done a lot of my early learning, particularly just a movement point of view and a rehab rehabilitation point of view they're a little bit more rehab based so yeah i was exposed to a lot of different um cases from a general pop point of view and that was a really good stepping stone in coaching but sort of interacting with people and building relationships and all those things awesome and yeah you mentioned strength and conditioning and, and not being aware that it was a profession it's certainly something that has grown over the years who was the first strength and conditioning coach you're exposed to and and what was attractive to that profession once you understood it was something that you could potentially do as a job i played yeah as i mentioned before i played footy all my junior career and had two years at the oakley charges in 2011 2012 and then was on box hills list from for three years after that and that's probably where i got exposed to that strength and conditioning and high performance space a little bit but i probably didn't really recognize that it was a something that i could pursue and that it was a, like a professional job probably in my second year at box hill was, that's when I started to double into the, the coaching space. So it was probably around that time. And then I was exposed to a whole range of coaches. So Box Hill had a few different high performance managers and strength and conditioning coaches. And that's where I started to ask questions and observe and, and try things out that they were, they were putting onto us. And then ever since then, it's just been a, a really strong passion of mine and something I've been striving towards for, for a few years now. You mentioned your love for, for training. Is that why you chose to go down the route of the strength and conditioning sort of physical preparation side opposed to the tactical technical side with coaching? Yeah, I think so. I'd say my um, love and passion for footy is just as strong as my strength and conditioning. But I think that physical preparation side is definitely something that I'm a little bit probably more educated on, probably have a little bit of a stronger passion for it and just that um, desire to train to work. So I think, yeah, yeah, that's where it's definitely stemmed from. Yeah. And so then you decided to do your sports science degree. At what point did you start doing your cadetship at, at Western Bulldogs and, and how did that come about? Yeah, so I did my Bachelor of Exercise and Sports Science at Vic Uni, starting in 2016. And then my last year of my degree there, I had an opportunity 
well, I saw an advertisement for Nick Uni and the Bulldogs have a partnership and I saw an advertisement for a strength and conditioning cadetship there. Applied for that and was lucky enough to get it. And yeah, learned a lot there and was able to see an AFL program hands-on for a whole year. And that was just a year or two after they won the flag, I think, or before they won the flag. And, and yeah, that was an awesome experience. Yeah, loved it. So for those that are listening that are doing their sports science degree and, and are interested in, in following the path that you do work now that you're working at Box Hill Hawks, how important was that cadetship and, and take us through what a normal week would look like over the year? Yep. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was an invalu- invaluable experience. Just mainly at the, that stage in your degree, you probably haven't got a lot of experience from a hands-on point of view. So it was a lot of observing and, and helping out. But yeah, a typical week would look like, so it was during the pre-season that have like three three heavy training days, usually like Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Some clubs do Monday, Wednesday and Saturday. Um, they have two days off a week. So on their main training days, they, they do their field-based stuff first in the mornings, typically, which would include footy drills and just a normal footy session with some running interspersed um, in that, and then uh, their strength stuff in the second half of the day in the afternoon. And yep. what coaches, what strength conditioning coaches were you assisting at the time? They had, so at the time, their high-performance manager, I think still now, is uh, Matt Innes. So I didn't deal directly with him, but I still had some good conversations. But the other two were uh, Calvin Phil who's still there now, and then their strength and power coach was Andy Barnett, who I think previously was worked in the NFL. And I think he, I think now he's just recently left the dogs and he's doing something in rugby. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So Matt was the high performance manager, and Calvin and Andy, were they both in the gym? Yeah, they were, yeah. Andy was responsible for the more senior guys. The guys had been there for, for a little while, and Calvin was in charge for probably more of a, in a developmental sort of space, and he was in charge of the first three years, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And then what sort of tasks were you helping out with as the year progressed? Like you mentioned, early days of observing, what sort of things were you given to do as the year went on? Yeah, it was a whole range of things, really. So they, they were big on velocity-based training and using the gym aware, the gym aware equipment and force plates and all that sort of stuff. So I was helping in, in administering that and then downloading the data and, and sending it to the strength coach weekly, but also just hands-on in the gym, observing, supervising and, and assisting where need be. When they went out to train, there were, there were times where I'd help assist with the, with the warm-up and rehabilitation conditioning sessions and stuff like that. But yeah, I got to saw, got to see all aspects of the program. And yeah, a lot of it was because I was so, so raw as a coach. A lot of it was I'm um, just helping out where need be and, and observing a lot. But yeah, invaluable experience and learned, learned a lot. And being in that environment and seeing what strength conditioning coaches do it in the AFL, is that when the penny dropped, that was something you were interested in pursuing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think just being in that, I think, as a youngster, you always want to play at the highest level and that passion for footy always drove me. So I think just being in a professional environment was what I was always chasing. And then to get that opportunity to work pretty much in the inner sanctum and see the day-to-day grind that professional sport can be, yeah, that really appealed to me. And from there, my passion just got stronger up until this point now. Awesome, mate. And for the developing footballers that are tuned in, what are some important or, or common things that you try and educate developing footballers? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's quite a broad question because there's so many different factors and really depends on the individual athlete. But I think just the education piece around preparation as a whole and the importance of everything, not just one thing, especially for preparation of AFL footballers where it's an all-encompassing sport where you need almost every physical quality known to man to, to be able to get through a whole game. You need elements of everything. So I think it's identifying where your weaknesses are and working on them, but also utilising your strengths because those strengths are probably what make you a good player. And then if you can top up your your weaknesses from a physical point of view, that's just going to make you a more well-rounded athlete. But 
yeah, understanding the importance of, of preparation and particularly the strength and power works that we uh, touched on earlier, just understanding the importance of that and why we do it. There is a why, and I think that's where a lot of young footballers get a bit lost or don't understand. They think they think they just need to do that. The, if they want to put on strength and size, they just need to smash their upper body weights and that's done and dusted, but it's a lot more than that. So I think it's, it comes down to us as coaches as well in, in educating athletes on that and understanding the importance. But yeah, t- tackling everything and learn as much as possible. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. The individualised approach is so important and, and dealing with who's in front of you as a coach and then from the athlete's point of view, not just getting focused, focusing on your weaknesses, but ultimately it's your strengths that's going to allow you to play at the highest level and play your best footy. So focusing on those as well, that's a great philosophy for developing footballers to, to listen to. And you mentioned the strength and power component, how, how important it is to focus on your strength and power and, and move fast in the gym. What would be some exercises that you saw at Western Bulldogs and that you, you do at Till Hawks that those listening can, can start adopting? Yep, overcomplicate things. So I just think of really break it down really simply and just think of movement patterns as opposed to fancy exercises. You have your squats, your hinge, your lunge, and they're, they're your basic movement patterns. And then and then working around that, and you can find variations and depends on the stimulus or the goals, specific goal for that day. But just breaking it down to so those three simple things, and then you can modify or adapt those movements um, according to what you're trying to get out of it. But really, speed and power, if you, if you want to work on speed and power, you need to move quickly, sprinting, jumping, bounding, squatting. So a, a squatting movement pattern would be, a, in my opinion, a box jump. So a box jump is a squatting pattern, and you're doing it quickly. You might add a squat jump where you're holding onto some light dumbbells just to add a little bit of little bit of weight, but just surfing that force velocity curve that is often spoken about in the industry. And there is an art to it, an art and a science to to the programming point of view, but not overcomplicating it, moving quickly in moving patterns that you'd see out in the field. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, for those that potentially may have not done any lower body weights and they're looking to start, where would be the best time to start if they're in season now and they listen to this and they're feeling inspired to, to get into it, should they or, or should you be really wait until the off-season? How would you go about athletes that yeah, have, haven't had any, like you said, have just focused on upper body but yep. now start to see the, the value for improving their lower body power and strength? Yeah, there'd definitely never be a bad time to start. So I think it's having the end goal in mind and, and being consistent with your training. So if you were to start this week, it's your first time experiencing lower body training. I wouldn't be you know, doing hypertrophy-based methods of three to four by 10 to 12 reps with a big amount of volume, you'd be, first of all, trying to knuckle down on movement competency and getting really good at movement patterns and, and competent in that space and then um, just slowly developing on that over a period of time. So at this time of year, especially if you haven't done it before, you're probably going to experience DOMS, just minimising the volume that, that you do and focusing on that movement quality and then, yeah, building on that over a period of time. But I'd probably advise just to get some advice from a, a strength and conditioning professional or someone who understands what they're doing because the programming side of thing, you can have a, the exercise database that you want and you can know all the exercises known to man, but if your programming and set and rep schemes aren't right, then it can be detrimental to your performance. Yeah, awesome, mate. Thanks for sharing that. And so you're doing your cadetship. What was the next step in your career after the Western Bulldogs? Yeah, so at the end of that year, I graduated in the exercise and sports science degree. And then I actually went to the Oakley Chargers and did, did an internship there. And that was, in in a lot of ways, more valuable to the experience of, at the Western Bulldogs because I got my hands dirty and I was able to coach and yeah, really get amongst it and have a little bit more responsibility from a programming point of view and coaching in the gym and prescribing conditioning sessions and all that sort of stuff. And 
I think that's a really good age demographic to work with because a lot of the guys are so raw and their scope for improvement is quite big. And they're also, a lot of them, quite curious and willing to learn i'm sure a lot of people following this page and watching this are absolutely love that and it was a club that i did play for in my under 18 days so there were still a lot of people there who a few familiar faces so yeah absolutely love that experience and, and got my hands dirty and yeah just coached as much as i could and experienced game day and and the roles of responsibility that that, that provides as well but yeah that was a really good experience yeah so that for a young SC listening that maybe has just started doing their sports science degree internships how well are they paid and what are the hour demands for the week yeah i guess it depends on the club and the the organization that you're going to but traditionally in the in this industry an internship isn't paid well i haven't seen personally an internship paid um, especially within the sport of afl in in australia so usually it's a volunteer basis you might get a, a little ordinarian payment if you're lucky but i think the the real value in it is that you get experience and it's something something that you can look back on and learn off and also put on your resume for future jobs. Mm-hmm. You have to start somewhere. And I think the time in, in attending is probably like two nights traditional footy-based training, so Tuesday, Thursday usually, and then a game on the weekend. So that from a time point of view, it's not overly – you might have to make a few sacrifices with work or your own sport. But if that's where you want to go and that's your real passion and, and desire from a career sense, then it's just a sacrifice you have to make to work your way in yeah and and talking about sacrifices like you've managed to be able to play while progressing in your career how challenging has that been to continue to play the game you love while also pursuing your your dreams as a strength conditioning coach yeah it was it it has been a little bit difficult i think the sacrifice more more comes from your own physical performance on game day when game day does come around definitely do you definitely do feel a little bit underdone but i think it's funny i think the the lack of training that i've I haven't been able to train with the group this year because of my commitment at Box Hill, but it has given me probably a greater respect for the importance of training because I was doing my own training. I thought I was training quite well, and then you go out and play, and you feel a long way off it. And it's also, I've also been able to experiment with a few different training methods myself and, and experiment a little bit. And then also just, I think the, the beauty of still being able to go out and play is I have a lot of empathy and understanding for what the players are going through after a game and why they can't be stuffed going into the strength and doing their injury prevention stuff straight after a session and all those sorts of things because you feel that as a player a lot more. Mm. Whereas when you're a coach, you just, you're expecting them to do it. I think there's been a lot of learning in, in that space as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's great to have that experience and that empathy, like you mentioned, to understand what the players are going through. And the longer you're away from playing and feeling it in your own body, the, the further you're more disconnected to it, aren't you? Exactly, um, yeah. yeah. It can have a big impact. With the, yeah, so you mentioned your internship at, at Oakley Chargers, how you got your hands dirty. So what was the, how was the role different to the internship in the AFL? I think it was just a lot, lot more autonomy and responsibility in programming. So at the Western Bulldogs, everything was virtually, from a programming sense, done, done for me or already done. And then yep. I saw it in practice and would coach a little bit here and there, but was a little bit limited in, in what you could do. So a lot of it was observing and just assisting and collecting data and a little bit, yeah, less hands-on. Whereas, whereas at Oakley, I could, I was in charge of creating the strength programs and the conditioning sessions and just hands-on coaching. It was a lot more, yeah, a lot more hands-on and, and programming. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, at the Western Bulldogs, obviously it's a professional environment and there, I think there were legalities around, around me specifically coaching and programming. Yeah, there was, it was more of a observation and, and an assisting role, whereas at the Oakley Charger, it was definitely more get your hands dirty and program. 
Yeah, which is fantastic. I think you can – I've experienced both forms, the, the fly-on-the-wall internship and experience and then the, the opportunity to get your hands dirty, like you said, in coach and program and uh, have autonomy. And, uh, and I think both are valuable in their own ways. I'm sure you agree. Like You need to be able to see what success looks like and what the best do and, and how it all fits together in a footy club. And you learn a lot by observing and having that hat on. But then equally, you also need to be able to get your hands dirty and have the opportunity to practice your own philosophies and test and trial things. So for those listening, would you recommend trying to do both before running a program like you're now doing at Box Hill? Yeah, absolutely. That experience is invaluable. And even now um, in the position that I'm in, you're still learning every day and, and adjusting your program on the fly and making mistakes and all those sorts of things. Yeah, that experience at, at either level, I think seeing a professional environment, in the, you might come to the realisation at a professional environment, that's not for you as well. So it's not only just the learning of, of the day-to-day role, but also understanding what it actually is and then, yeah, actually experience programming and making mistakes. And in those roles as well, you have, you're have you working under quite experienced and knowledgeable people where you can bounce ideas off and show them your programs and ask them where you've gone wrong or what they would change. And, yeah, I'm st- even now today, still doing that, even with Luke Boyd at Hawthorne and, and the team there and yourself there last year, still having those conversations because there's no perfect program and there's many ways to skin a cat and everyone's program is going to be is going to be different and have elements of difference in it. Yeah, I think that's that's fantastic advice. With the, the step after that, so you're doing your, you're getting your hands dirty with Oakley Chargers, programming and, and coaching. What did you do after the Oakley Chargers? After Oakley, I actually came to the Boxwell Hawks underneath your good self, Jack. Yeah, so that was then. And then, yeah, we had a good pre-season there and was able to get a few days experience a week at, at Hawthorne in the AFL program as well and observe and, and assist there um, which was an invaluable experience and and yeah again get as I said before do a little bit more program from the, from the strength side and also double in the rehabilitation space as well with the, the guys doing rehab running and, and stuff like that and that was an awesome experience but unfortunately that was hindered by COVID so we got most of the pre-season out of the way and then COVID hit and then it all it all went down from there. But yeah, that was awesome. And then was lucky enough to be offered the position at Hawthorne um, as the high performance manager at Box Hill, which is where I'm at today. So yes, yeah, that was a really good progression. And I think that progression from cadetship at the Western Bulldogs has been quite linear, which I've been very lucky. I've just, there's been elements of luck there being in the right place at the right time and along that progression. But I think the, the importance of building networks and meeting new people as well has really helped me. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And those positions by being in the right place at the right time, like you said, if you're not putting in the, the work and being a part of those programs, then you won't be asked to interview for those positions or, or take on the progression within the clubs. Hats off to your persistence and, and hard work that you've done um, throughout your degree and, and now that you're doing with Box Hill Hawks. With the role, is it what you expected? Working in a semi-professional environment, it's a high, um, a very professional club, Box Hill Hawks, and there's always high stakes and I guess a good healthy amount of pressure to, to perform uh, every year and, and players are, are wanting to either get drafted or, or certainly crack into the team of VFL. So it's a great program to be a part of. Is the, is the role what you expected it to be or is it has there been a few elements of the role that have surprised you? No, it's exactly what I expected it to be. It's probably It probably has surprised me just the how many different elements there are to it and I think more so the people management point of view feel quite comfortable in my programming but yeah the people management and the player management as well management and monitoring has been a real eye-opener for me and yeah just dealing with people more and just making sure everyone's on the same page and on the same wavelength and all that sort of stuff the other one has been the rehabilitation space which i think is as a high performance manager you need to be across and i'm like constantly learning every day in that space 
but absolutely loving the role. It's, it's extremely challenging and quite high pressure at times, a little bit stressful at times as well, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, fantastic, mate. And the choice to do your Masters of Teaching opposed to a Masters in, in Sports Science, take us through your thought process there and, and how you're finding the, the degree. Yeah, I think it's something that was during the COVID lockdown last year. I, like Personally, I've always wanted to do that Masters of High Performance Sport, which is still in my, on my list to do at some point. But in a career sense, I think COVID last year was always something that I was thinking about doing the Masters of Teaching because it had always interested me. And I think last year during the lockdown and the extended lockdown, there was something that I thought oh, I might as well just start now and, and see how I go. So I was able to knock out a whole semester's work last year, which was really good. And I already had my first placement, which was another learning experience dealing with 13 to 15-year-old kids as opposed to being in a sporting setting where they all want to be there and they all want to get better. It's completely different in the school setting. That yeah, was a big absolutely. learning curve. But yeah, the decision behind it was more just a, not as a backup plan, but something that I could fall back on with the professional sport route is still the route that I want to take. And I'll be doing everything in my power to get there. But it was more, yeah, just a career move to something to fall back on, maybe down the track if I wanted to come out of professional sports and just gives me a little bit of stability from a financial and career sense as well. Fantastic. And do you find like doing that placement with those kids that, like you mentioned, a little bit different to, to your classic football where they don't want to be there? There's always a couple of footballers on the list that can't stand the gym and are almost allergic to it and, and potentially don't like doing the conditioning. They just want to play the sport, which is completely fair enough. That's what they signed up for. But when you're playing at a high level, there's certain things that you need to do. Do you think there's an overlap with as a teacher to try and get them to buy into the class? Is, is very similar to getting that footballer to, to buy into your program? Yeah, for sure. I think it just comes down to building those relationships early and earning the trust of the students and the, and the athletes. I think that that's the most important part. And then and once you've got that, you usually get a little bit more, for want of a better term, buy-in and, and respect. But there was little techniques there that I started to implement into using with my athletes just in getting attention and, and speaking and, and delivering information, um, just more clear and concise and simplifying it a little bit and putting in layman's terms as opposed to getting overly technical because I think they respond to that a little bit better. So, yeah, just those little things that you can take away from those experiences that can I think that crossover between teaching and coaching is very close and even from a football coaching sense there are a lot of AFL coaches who are qualified teachers as well and yeah it can only better your coaching from a strength and conditioning point of view. Yeah very well said well thanks for for jumping on mate and and taking us through your journey and what's helped you get shape you where you are today and the learnings that you've had along the way and how you go about it as well how you prepare yourself both playing as well as as a coach and and some of the important philosophies that you have so thank you very much what are you excited about for this year what's on the horizon for you thanks for having me on i really enjoyed it for this year i think it's just the main thing is hopefully seeing out the vfl season and seeing where uh, box hill can go within that i think we're we're in a reasonable position at the moment and depending on how the season pans out might end up being a 14 or 15 game season instead of a 16 so it's looking more likely to be 14. So if we can if we can get the Ws over the next few weeks, we'll put ourselves in a really strong position to hopefully make finals and, and then go from there. So I think that's on the priority list. Hopefully I can sneak in a few few games for Blackburn as well and have a run around, which will be good. But yeah, and also chip away at that Masters in the background. So plenty going on and doing some of my own stuff from a coaching sense as well. Yeah, very busy, but um, looking forward to the rest of the year ahead. Awesome, mate. Thanks again and we'll speak soon. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for watching, guys. If you want to uh, see the rest of that episode, head over to our IGTV um, on our Instagram page where you can watch the very start of the episode all the way through, which I definitely recommend. Dylan shared uh, lots of great things for developing footballers and strength and conditioning coaches. 
if you want to work with us and prepare like a pro, then all you need to do is click the link in our Instagram bio where you'll check out our online programs and individualized programs. So head over there and to subscribe to the podcast, click on our link. We've got episode 45 with Harry Sharp on our Instagram page. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks, guys.